Hey, welcome again, everybody. So glad that you're here this morning or whenever you're able to watch this. It's a delight to be with you. Uh, welcome to Illuminate Church. If you need anything before or after the message, please head to illuminate.church slash connect. Everything you need to know about Illuminate and how uh, you can get involved is right there. Events to sign up for if you're brand new, uh, a way to give us your information so we can contact you and just help you grow in your faith. We hope everybody is finding abundant life in Jesus Christ. So please head there, illuminate.church slash connect. You can do that now. You can do that at the end of service. Whatever the case may be, we'd love for you to be engaging. That's what we need to do. Not just be hearers of the word, but doers. Let's activate what's going on. So uh, glad that you're here today. If you're up in New Jersey watching, hello all around the nation. Hello over in Tampa. Hello sitting here in celebration. Get to church. <laughs> it's all safe now. Everything is clean and good. If you're in the habit of just sitting around in your couch, I implore you, invite you, come and join us. It's amazing. It's one thing to look at a fire. It's another thing to feel the warmth of the fire. So if you're local and can make it, Come and join us. Services, uh, lots of room for you. Love to have you come and join us. Two services, 9 a.m., 11 a.m. Perfect. Come, 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 come. We'd love to see you. This is not meant to imply guilt or condemnation. Just if uh, if somebody needs to be woken up and get off your couch, that's what I'm trying to do. So come on and be a part of it. It's an incredible what's happening on Sunday mornings. Incredible what's happening here as well. Glad that you've joined us today. We're starting a brand new series, so let's jump in with our hearts ready just with this thought. And I stole this quote uh, from a guy named Charles Caps. He says, those that say they can and those that say they can't are both right. Did, did you hear that? Those that say they can and those that say they can't, they're both right. It turns out that words are the most powerful thing in the universe. Words can create and words can destroy. Words can bring war or bring peace. Words can offend or words can defend. So it's all about words that we're talking about today. And just as we get started here, I want you to do a little trivia with me. How many words a day do you think you speak? How many words a day do you say? Just kind of think of a number, get a number in your mind. All right, you got one there? Now, I'm going to put the actual answer somewhere down here on the screen. Four options. Now we're into the trivia. Do you see these numbers? 7,000, 10,000, 13,000, 22,000. Which one is it? And for you sexist pigs out there, some of you are like, yeah, for the men, it's probably 7,000. And for the women, it's probably 22,000. Well, you know what? You're actually wrong. <laughs> Studies prove that both men and women use the same amount of words. So which is it? Which of these answers is it? It's 7,000. That's how many words we say a day. It's down from the pre-computer age. When we used to speak more, like we'd talk on the phone or we wouldn't text people, we'd actually have conversations, not emails. But it's down a little bit, but it's still 7,000 words approximately a day. So here's the question. In all of these 7,000 words, do you think there's any of them that you speak that are negative? Is it like... 10%? That'd be 700 words. 5%, 350, well, whatever. Is, which of your words just aren't pretty? How many of them are not uplifting or they're just like flat out discouraging? How many? You know, we can do a lot of damage with the words we speak, can't we? <laughs> well, here's another thought. Who hears everything that you say? 
every word that you say, two people, really one person and one being, you and God. Now, you may talk to lots of people, but they're only going to hear what you say to them, not what you say to everybody. It's only you and God who hear every word you say, but now add to that every word that you hear when you think. You hear every word you think. Thoughts are still words. So let's talk about our thought words. How many words do you think you think a day? <laughs> More trivia. Go ahead, think of a number. How, how many? All right, you got a number in mind? Now I'm gonna put the right answer here on screen and a bunch of options. Which do you think it is? 11,000, 20,000, 31,000, 39,000? And again, for you sexist pigs out there, you may think, well, for women, they obviously are very thoughtful, so they have 31,000 words, maybe 39,000 words, and for men, it's only 11. And I don't mean 11,000, just 11. <laughs> because you think men don't think. And you know what? When it comes to men and women, if you think they're different, you're wrong. Studies once again prove that men and women think the same amount. Now, Scientists will differ on how many thoughts they think we have a day. On the high range, some scientists say that we have 70,000 thoughts per day, which means, I did the math, you have two thoughts a second per, uh, you have two thoughts per second for all of your waking hours. Obviously, you sleep some, but that's two thoughts per second. I don't think that that's happening. Then you got the low range, which is about 20,000 per day. So for today's purposes, let's just be conservative and say the right answer is 20,000 words you think a day, plus 7,000 you speak. Now, in all these thoughts, all these words in your mind, do you think any of those are negative? I mean, that's not another trivia question up here, but what percentage of your thoughts are words, once again, that aren't pretty, words that aren't uplifting, and words that are just flat out discouraging to yourself or even thinking about other people? We can do a lot of damage with the words we think can't we? So we're beginning a summer series today. It's called This I Declare. And this whole series is about speaking words of life over ourselves. And when we speak these words of life, here's what's going to happen. There's these inner vows, inner words that we have spoken to ourselves, things that we have trapped in our spirit that we are going to displace, reject, and replace with some godly declarations. Everyone hit the like sign, give a high five. This is important stuff to get the right words coming out of our mouths, inside of our minds. Now, there's nothing fancy about the word declaration. It just means a formal announcement, like an announcement with importance. So you might say, there's a sale at pennies. That's an announcement. But then you could also say something like this, I am free of the bondage of sin. That is a declaration. You could say pralines and cream is the best ice cream. That's an announcement. That's information. But if you make a declaration, you might say something like, Jesus is the Lord of my life. I mean, you can just feel the weight of the difference. So as we change the words we think and the words we speak, our actions will begin to follow. Our declarations that we are going to write together this summer will demand it. It will change the way we think and speak and act. So today's message as we begin this I declare is called the power of words. The power of words. And I have two thoughts 
based in scripture before we truly jump in here. And they both come from the book of Proverbs, which I got my Bible open to right here. The book of Proverbs, if you're brand new to church, is the book of wise sayings, a bunch of wise sayings written down in their holy scripture. They're the wisest of all sayings. This is not like opening up a fortune cookie like a wise saying. This is actual wisdom from the mouth of God. So first we're going to look at Proverbs chapter 20, verse 15, and here's what it says. Gold there is and rubies in abundance, but lips that speak knowledge are a rare jewel. What does that tell us? What we are about to embark on this summer, writing these declarations so that we speak different words and think different words, it is rarer than gold, rarer than rubies. It's very rare. It's more valuable even than gold or rubies. Listen, if you are brave enough to walk with us this entire summer, to learn these declarations and begin to speak them over your life and think them over your life, then listen, you are going to be in a vast very vast minority of people who speak words of life, right? I mean, think about it. On the earth today, most words and thoughts are divisive, inflammatory, negative, discouraging, words just coming out of people constantly. I mean, you spend three minutes on social media. That's why I gave up social media. It's just negativity. Bunch of comments that are negative. I mean, it's just a cesspool. So if we begin to speak words of life, to speak encouraging words, Talk about shining like stars in the darkness. This is it. That's how stark this is. Listen, I was at breakfast just the other day, my wife and I and another couple, and I was just kindly interacting with the waitress, like calling her by name. How are you? Good to see you. I'll uh, just, just be nice, engaging with her. And this is what she said to me. She said, I like your energy. <laughs> I was like... So I stood up in her face and I said, that's not energy. That's the Holy Spirit, baby. Actually, I didn't say that. That would, that would have been weird. What I said was, can I have an omelet, please? Regardless, here's what I'm saying. The kindness and the words coming out of my mouth, even she, maybe as a non-believer, I don't know, she recognized something. It stood out to her so that she said, man, I like this energy. And we're not talking about new agey energy. You know, and I know, or maybe if you're brand new, what it truly is, is the life-giving spirit of God coming out of me in the words that I speak. Hmm. It's rarer than gold, rarer than rubies. It stands out. Here's another one. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 4. Let me just flip over to that one real quick. Proverbs 15, verse 4 says, the soothing tongue is a tree of life, but a perverse tongue crushes the spirit. <laughs> Do you see the stark comparison here? I mean, talk about descriptive words. One, you have the tree of life, this, this fruit-bearing, shade-giving, sturdy thing, this life-giving that comes from life-giving words. Or you have the other side, which is spirit-crushing words. I imagine somebody's spirit underneath my foot, and as I speak to them with my negativity, I'm just like stomping on their spirit. So tell me, which do you want in your head? Like what kind of words? Life-giving words or spirit-crushing words? This summer, let's start crafting some declarations and put them down in the bedrock of our souls so that these declarations come. They're words of life. They're words of health. And they actually protect and will build up our spirit 
And not only us, but those around us. We're no longer crushing people's spirits, we're building them up. Interesting thought in the Bible, and you can send me an email and correct me, and somebody probably will, and that's fine, but for me, in the Bible, I have yet to find something that God did that he first didn't say, right? He first spoke it, and then he did it. God spoke, said, let there be light, and there was light. There was creating. The speaking came first. God said he would flood the earth, and he did. God said he would deliver his people from 400 years of Egyptian slavery, and he did. God said he would part the sea, and he did. God said he would give his people the promised land, and he did. God said he would send his people away for 70 years into captivity because of their unrepentant disobedience over and over and over, and he did. God also said he would send a deliverer, a Messiah, to restore his people, and he did. And God said that that Messiah would arrive via a virgin birth, and he did. And Jesus said that he came to set the captives free, and guess what? He did. Jesus also said that that freedom would be purchased when he was crucified and resurrected. And he, in fact, did both of those things. And Jesus also said that he would give his church the Holy Spirit so that we could have resurrection power on the earth to seek and to save the lost. And he did it. Everything he spoke, he did. And by the way, one more thing. Jesus said that one day he is returning to call his bride home and he will do it. What God says comes to pass. He said it and it happened. He said it, he did it. So think about it. Tell me this. If God created us in his image to be like him and in his image doesn't mean we look like God. It means that we have his character, his DNA, his mindset in us. If that's true, which it is, do our words matter as much as his words? Do our words have the power to create like his did to actually affect ourselves and to affect others? And the answer is yes, absolutely, you better believe it. And I'm gonna show you today both scientifically and biblically how your words actually create. When you speak, things happen in the natural things actually change. You can affect change through your words. So we want to look at it today from two angles, the power of words. We're going to look at it from the negative side and the positive side. If you're ready, type, I'm ready. I can't hear you, but I'm assuming somebody's typing I'm ready and you're my favorite now. <laughs> All right, so here's the first one. Words can hurt. You've heard the old saying sticks and stones can break my bones, but words can never hurt me. Somebody say malarkey, like not true, N not at all true. In fact, not all words hurt, but all negative words do. Let's start with the science. When a negative word is spoken or thought, either you speak it to somebody else or somebody speaks it to you, or you think it in your head, something negative, a chemical is actually released into your body called cortisol. You might have heard of cortisol before. It's released into your body. And when cortisol hits your bloodstream, what happens is it leans you, your psyche, your spirit, your, your physiology, it leans you to that fight or flight situation, right? When cortisol hits the blood, it redistributes the blood flow and all of your resources to the limbic system. That's a part of your brain. 
The limbic system in your brain is that part that handles like intense emotions, like, whoa, this is massive. And your limbic system uh, comes alive. It's like, all right, I'm here to help, right? So when the blood is redistributed, refocused there, it causes a shutdown of other parts, specifically this part, the front cerebral cortex. And I may be getting the physiological name wrong, but I'm talking about up here, this part of the brain. And you know what happens up here? Problem solving conflict resolution, creativity, compassion, empathy, all of these higher levels of thought get shut down and that are replaced with this primal, native, instinctual defense. In this mode, when the cortisol hits your blood in this mode, you're kind of like a, a coiled up snake, defensive, ready to strike, right? Constantly tensed up, woo! Now listen, you could certainly see like an actual snake walking along coiled up, and what's going to happen to you is cortisol is going to dump into your system and properly your system's going to go, you need to run or you need to eat the snake. Whatever the case, you're going to fight or flight, right? One of those two is going to happen. And here's what I mean. There's going to be truly frightening things that you're going to experience just living life in this world, right? It's going to happen. Car accident, a difficult diagnosis. Uh, you get to school and they're like, pop quiz. You're like, cortisol, 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 right? Or you may, like, here's the worst news. I found out I made it into FSU. <laughs> I said that as an example. Now, of course, I'm just joking. It's great if you can make it into any college. Praise the Lord, even that college. But when I said it, some of you got angry and cortisol just dumped into your system. You're like, I'm going to kill him. <laughs> just kidding around. Listen, all I'm trying to say is that these negative words... When they're spoken by us, thought by us, received by us, they actually physiologically have a response that makes us tense, makes us ready to fight or to run or to freeze. That's not great when we're talking about just words. I want you to see this picture when Jesus actually speaks some negative words. It's amazing. Mark chapter 11, verses 12 to 14 says, The next day as they, that's Jesus and his disciples, as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus is hungry. It's like, my stomach's growling. Verse 13, seeing in the distance a fig tree and leaf, he went to find out if it had any fruit. He's going to eat some figs. When he reached it, he found nothing but leaves. It's like driving up to Chick-fil-A on a Sunday. Like, seriously? <laughs> because the fig tree, it was not the season for figs. Then he said to the tree, negative words, here he goes, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard him say it. So basically, Jesus just said some negative words out into the air to the fig tree. Now, some other stuff happens, and then eventually later, they're leaving where they were, and they pass this fig tree again. Now, in Mark chapter 11, verse 20, it says, In the morning, as they went along, they saw that same fig tree, and it was withered from the roots. It wasn't just like one branch broke off, but from the roots. Peter remembered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, look, the fig tree you cursed has withered. Now, to be clear, all Jesus did was say words. He didn't take gasoline and dump it, didn't pour chemicals on it, didn't take an ax to it and chop it or do anything to it other than speak a negative word, a curse. Jesus spoke a curse to the fig tree and the fig tree died. By the way, I guess you can talk to plants because Jesus did. All I'm trying to show you is the power of negative 
words. When they are spoken, they affect. And in the case of this fig tree, it caused death. In the case of when we think negative thoughts or speak negative thoughts, it crushes the spirit. Do you ever wonder why we actually do speak such negative things to ourselves and others? The book of James gives us a little picture. In James chapter 3, verse 6, we read that the tongue, what we use for our words, and even if you had a, uh, a not a fake tongue, but just a tongue in your mind, the, the words you hear up there, that tongue that produces words also is a fire. Your tongue, where the words come from, a world of evil among the parts of the body. The tongue corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire. And listen to this, and is itself set on fire by hell. <laughs> Woo! That's heavy. Here's what it means. In our natural self, in our yet regenerated by faith self. So this is the old self, not redeemed self. In that place, our tongue is actually a conduit for hell, like a channel for hell. If the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy, then the thief is going to do it through my words that I think, that I speak to myself and to others. If the devil is a liar, which he is, he's going to use my tongue, my words, to lie to myself and to others. That's what's going on here. Another thing that science has shown us about negative words is this, uh, and, and this is a generalization, and I'll, I'll read to you a quote from this study, but in essence, if I'm pretty negative about others, it's probably because I'm pretty negative about myself. I got a lot of negative words going here about me, and they come out as negative words to other people. There was a study done, and I'm going to read to you a quote. And listen, the quote is a little bit scientific at first, but just hang with me. And at the end, it'll all make sense. Okay, here we go. This is a quote from the study. It says, over time, given sustained positive thought, so they were giving positive thoughts to people over and over and over. If they had that sustained positive thought, function, functions, not functions, functions in the parietal lobe, part of the brain, start to change. Consequently, this changes our perception of the self and those around us. And here's a summary statement. Essentially, holding a positive view of ourselves helps train our brain to see the good in others. Lots of positive things going here. I'm going to see the good in others. But here's the last part. The converse is true as well. <laughs> so if I got negative thoughts going on in here, it actually changes my brain. That's what this study says. And then as I think negatively about myself, it makes me see others in a negative way. And remember, I'm not just seeing myself. I'm thinking words, negative words, not good enough, failure, ugly, fat, incompetent, whatever those words are. When we think them about ourselves, it starts to bleed out and starts to hurt other people. Yes, words can hurt. But on to the good news. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. <laughs> Words can help. Could it be that positive words could bring life more than a negative word brings death? And I believe the answer is yes, and somebody say amen. Say amen, Bruno. Amen. There he is. <laughs> Here's the science. Just as when there's a negative word or thought spoken or received by us, cortisol hits our body, there's another chemical that is released in our body when there's a positive word, a word of life spoken. That chemical is called dopamine. 
you probably heard of dopamine before. When dopamine is released, it causes in people a feeling of peace and wholeness. Some describe it as tranquility. Like, yeah, I feel it right now. In a hammock, on a beach, tranquility. Dopamine actually causes blood flow to be redistributed to our higher thinking. And we're not in fight and flight. Now we're up here in the front cerebral cortex of our mind and it comes to life. It's like the switch. I mean, it's, it's running, but now it's like revving up. Woo! And again, in this area, when dopamine hits, we're better able to solve problems, to, to resolve conflicts, to have creativity, empathy, compassion. All of that comes up in a high-functioning place. And here's what else happens. We become able to achieve what our minds have conceived when this portion of our brain is open for business. Some have termed this thing in New Age, New Age language, the power of positive thinking. Well, what's really happening is the chemistry of positive thinking. When positive words are thought in our minds, then the dopamine hits and the brain sender opens. It's the way that God designed it. It's amazing. Words of life happen to unleash the very best part of our brains into action. That is a scientific truth and a scientific wonder. Now, here's what Jesus says. John chapter 15, verse 7 and 8, he says, If you remain in me, and note these words, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be given, it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. I know you caught it because I slowed down, but yes, if my words abide, remain in you, as opposed to James. James told us that our tongue is connected to the pit of hell, right? But here in John, our words are connected to the word of God, the words of Jesus. We abide with them. We like unplug from hell, like boop, my tongue's not there anymore. It's now plugged in to the word of God, the power of heaven. And why does that matter? But Jesus told us something else in Matthew chapter 12. He says, a good man or woman brings the good things, the word of God, if I'm abiding in the word, those good things out of the good stored up in him. I'll, I'll speak good words. I'll think good words because these good words are stored in me. But an evil man or woman brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. If I'm connected to hell or if I'm connected and abiding with the word of God, it changes the thoughts that I have and the words that I speak. And so we want to get these declarations that are full of the word of God into our hearts and minds so that they abide with us and we abide with them. Imagine making these declarations every morning when you wake up. That's abiding in the word. I'm bringing those words to the forefront and those great words light up my prefrontal cortex and dopamine hits my body and I'm ready to charge into the day. The opposite is just to like hang out and think some negative thoughts and have the cortisol and be stressed out and hunkered over and this is life. That's not abundant life. So how do we do this? Well, we're gonna be making some declarations to help us do a few things. Two thoughts. Number one, choose the second laugh. I've been sharing this with my D group. I've been sharing this with the staff. This is a very important teaching that the Lord brought to my spirit and it's helping me so much to change the way that I think, the words that I think the words that I speak, it's all different. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run through this really quickly. But essentially, there's a story in the beginning, in Genesis, which is the first book of the Bible, about a man named Abram and his wife, Sarah. 
Some of you are very familiar with this story. Others, if you're not, Abram was to be the father of many nations. He's promised a child, and that child never comes, and never comes, and never comes, until Abram's in his 90s, and Sarah's in her 80s, and they're getting old, and these three guys come from heaven, and they say to Abram, your wife will, be with, will have a baby this time next year. And Sarah's in the tent overhearing this conversation, and the scripture tells us that she laughs. Later, she denies it. She's like, I didn't laugh. And they're like, you're lying. You laughed. But imagine with me what that laugh was like. Like, hey, you're going to have a child. And she's thinking, the kid that I was supposed to have 60 years ago, the kid that's supposed to be the father, uh, the first of many children, and the heir, and uh, all, this, all these other children will come from this. Like, and she gives that little laugh like, yeah, yeah, right. Are you, are you kidding me? Right? I mean, this first laugh that she gives essentially says there's no chance. This idea of this son coming to the world, it's dead in the water, is done. She's like, <laughs> whatever, whatever, right? And maybe you feel like that today about something. Something you were hoping was coming to life or coming true, and it hasn't. Maybe it's a particular relationship. If the statistics are right, then there's probably a couple who's watching this right now, today, that you feel this way. Like, our relationship is dead in the water. It's done. If somebody came to me and said, hey, there's hope for your marriage, you'd be like, <laughs> man, are you kidding? No way. There's, there's probably a mom who's watching this right now who feels this way about your son. Like, your son's going to turn out great. Like, no. Do you know my kid? Have <laughs> Maybe you're out there, you're, you're a brother, and you have another brother or another sister, and you've been at war with each other, and somebody says, there's reconciliation coming. You're like, <laughs> you, nope, forget it. That, that's the first laugh. Maybe you feel this way about your debt. Hey, there's a way to make it out of debt. You're like, boop, nope, next. Or maybe the current state of your health. Somebody says, it's, it, you're going to be healthy, and you're like, no, I'm not, man. Forget about it. I can't eat right, I can't care for my body, I'm not going to lose the whatever. Listen, even as I'm speaking this list, some of you out there who are watching, you're probably giving that first laugh, like, yep, I know exactly, yep. no, nothing's going to help, fat chance. That's how Sarah's feeling. She's in the tent making the first laugh. Now jump over to Genesis chapter 21. And in Genesis chapter 21, Sarah actually has the baby. And it says in Genesis chapter 21, verse 3, you won't see this on the screen, but she says, I'm laughing now because this kid is here and others are laughing with me. They're not laughing at her. They're laughing with her. And the laughter is not this mocking kind of laughing. It's astonished laughing like, oh my gosh, it actually happened. God did what he said he was going to do, man. This is incredible. And they're laughing in their spirit. Just a few weeks ago, Pastor Kim and I were sitting in his car and we're just hearing about the rising prices of concrete and steel and wood and the building prices going up and up and up. And in our spirit, we're kind of having that first laugh of Sarah, like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. This, this feels like it's becoming impossible. And we're just kind of sitting in the car. We're not stressing. We're not lacking faith. It's just kind of this initial reaction, negative, the, this negative vibe going on. Like, oh, man, what are we going to do? Well, fast forward like a week later, 
And as I shared before, somebody just happened to send in, somebody who's never been to Illuminate Church, a check for $250,000. And I kid you not, Kim showed me the check, we hugged, and we bounced. We were laughing. Second kind of laughter. The joy-filled, astonished kind of laughter. What if, in all circumstances, we together just believed God was able? We didn't do the first laugh. We just started with the second laugh. We put on a supernatural mindset. You know, our words, what we think, what we speak, they reveal what kind of mindset that we have. Is it a supernatural mindset that, yes, God can do this? Or is it a natural mindset that says, fat chance, right? There's that laugh that says, it's never going to happen. <laughs> and then there's that laugh at the beginning that says, oh my gosh, I know this is difficult, <laughs> but watch what God is about to do. Let's start with that second laugh first. That second laugh first. That second laugh first. I just said it three times. I don't know why. Or better yet, just be Mary. You, you can forget about Sarah. Just be Mary. Mary also had a child that the Lord promised. I'm talking about Mary who gave the birth to Jesus Christ. And listen, Mary's birth is probably even more improbable than Sarah's birth, her pregnancy, I should say, because number one, uh, Mary is a virgin, and you know what that means. And Mary is a young nobody teenager in the middle of nowhere, Nazareth, right? Like, who cares? And Mary is supposed to have the son of God, right? Think about that. And Mary could have been like when the angel said, hey, you're going to, I know you're a virgin, but you're going to have a child and it's going to be the son of God. And she could have been like, you're right. Are you kidding me? I'm not even married. Uh, I'm a teenager. What are you talking about? She could have laughed like Sarah laughed in the tent. Instead, Luke chapter 1, verse 38, we hear what Mary actually did. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. This is what she said. God, I trust you at your word. Let it be to me according to your word. This is what a declaration is going to do for us because these declarations that we are writing over the summer are going to teach us that Everything that we are believing and speaking over ourselves comes from the word of God. So as we speak the declaration, we're saying, hey, God, I declare this and let it be to me as it is according to your word. Because every single one of these declarations is based in the word of God. So here's how I want to close today. Two things. Number one, I want to read to you the declarations that we're going to cover this summer. Both me and some guest preachers that are going to come and share. I'm super excited about them coming and sharing. And uh, then after that, I want to pray. And I want to pray that God begin to transform our minds from the natural mindset to the supernatural mindset. To connect our tongues, not to hell any longer, but to connect our tongues to His Word. To abide in His Word. So here we go. The first thing I want to do is to read these declarations to you. Are you ready? Say yes. I heard you. Here we go. Jesus is first in my life. I exist to serve and glorify him. The next one. I love people and believe the best about others. Make that declaration daily. I love people and believe the best about others. Here's the third one. I am disciplined, 
Christ in me is stronger than the wrong desires in me. Or how about this? My words, thoughts, and imaginations are under the power of Christ. I take all thoughts captive and make them obedient to Christ. That's a good one. Here's another one. I am growing closer to Jesus every day because of Christ. My family is closer, my body is stronger, my faith is deeper, and my leadership is sharper. Woo! I am anointed, empowered, equipped, and called to reach people far from God. Here's another one. I make disciples. That's not something I do. It's who I am. Woo! That's a good one. They're all good. I keep saying it's a good one. I love every one of these. Here's another. I wake up with purpose, direction, and meaning every day of my life. Hallelujah. Now you're really going to like this next one. Pain is my friend. I rejoice in suffering because Christ suffered for me. I know you love that one. Two more. I bring my best and then some. It's what I bring after I do my best that makes the difference. And finally, the last one, the world will be different and better because I served Jesus today. And what we're going to do at the end of the summer is hand out these cards with all of these declarations written on them. You can post them on your mirror. You can put them on your fridge. You can put them on your computer, wherever. You will see them that daily you speak and think these words, knowing that words have power. And when we speak positive words, declarations that are based in the word of God and abide with them in our spirit daily, it will absolutely change us physically, physiologically, and supernaturally, spiritually. So that is the goal of the summer. Let me pray for you that this process begins starting today. Would you bow your heads? Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this time together in your word. We thank you for the way that you've created us. It all makes sense when we put your word and see the science together. We know that you have designed us in such a way that we need to take control of our words, or even better yet, to surrender our words to you, that, the, that our words are your words based in the truth of your Holy Bible. So Father, as we begin this summer series, I ask now that you would supernaturally begin to change every person out there from the inside out, that you would help us to rewrite the old scripts, to undo those inner vows, those lies that we have spoken over ourselves or others have spoken, and replace them with the truth of your word, that we are children of God, that our birthright is as an heir to the throne because of the blood of Jesus. Father, I pray that you begin a supernatural work now to till up that which has become uh, hardened in our souls and to send it out and replace it, God, with your goodness. Bless every person out there. May we have unity based on your word of God and the bond of peace in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for being here. It's going to be an exciting summer. Join us. Don't miss a single week. All right. God bless you. Bye-bye.